And that's going to be my moment I talked about. That's going to be your moment. Five to 10 years. That's going to be the moment. I love it. I love it. You don't even know what it is yet. I might have it already. Do you have it? I might have it already. Do you think you, is it like something that you're thinking of, like that you're working on that you think you got? Or you're just saying, in my life, there's something that I'm missing that I don't see just yet. I think I have it. I'm working on something that's going to disrupt the world in terms of putting money into the black communities. Hmm. for ownership. Can I be a part of that? You said your ass, Plus, bro. Yo, yo, you, yo, you, yo. I'm going to be consistent, too. <laughs> I'm going to be consistent. <laughs> you already my man, so. <laughs> yeah, but listen, you will be a part of it, though. Mm. You will be a part of it. Um, and 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 this is this is one thing that I talked about earlier, it's called social seed, where we're going to have it where people get to actually have ownership in products, viral products, big products, products that's killing it, that they would never get the, they would never get the opportunity. When you try to, do you know when you try to invest, you got to become an accredited investor? Right. You know what that means? You got to have over two hundred thousand dollars or and it doesn't even count your house so if you got a million dollar house still don't matter so it's either two hundred thousand personally or three hundred thousand with your spouse included or over a million dollars in net worth what average what average so if you see a good deal that you can literally take advantage of you as an intellectual can't even take advantage of it mm-hmm. because they have systems in place for us not to take advantage. Because guess what? We all ain't got that. Do you know what's so crazy? And not even too long ago, Obama finally made it to a point where, um, where um, you can create smaller crowdfunds. He created some bill. Mm-hmm. that kind of unlocked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Not yet, but, you know, like... He created... Because it was it, it's, like, illegal, but now I think it's... um, or He either... It's something where, like, the little guy can get into it. Somebody's going to comment and be like, David, you're an idiot, but yes. But no, that's, this is the point I'm making. It's like, they put things in place to make sure we don't get what we deserve. Like, why I got to be a credit and investor? Yeah. You know, it's like, I know it's little, other little reasons people going to come up with, oh, no, it's because it is. No, no. I feel in my heart, it's so certain people don't get into certain plays mm-hmm. to get to where they need to get to. It's like the music industry. Whoever was the puppet at the time... And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. 
Wait till you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay? Niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga, Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay? But I believe in God, and I feel what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga. Okay? I'm not gonna play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga. Okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass. Okay? And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life, you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now. Now. Send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You'll believe in it when you see it, bitch. You take that, you put it in your motherfucking pipe, and smoke it with your bitch ass. Now what? I'm gonna put up, put in the music. People think oh, I'm gonna go to the studio every day, and one of these songs gonna be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song. Period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the beat. These bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal their shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So, you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody. From the vloggers, from this person, from that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up. But they definitely want you to have everybody. Like for me, right? I'm, like, I'm, I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign. Notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money, big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because it's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker, like, you know that they always got their head out that's needy, you know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people, like if it's a street guy, they looking for, if they got bags and they looking for niggas to sign, they looking for stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over. You know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you too smart. <laughs> 
but we can get this little 17, 16, 15 year old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. $50,000 is like $500,000 to him, a million dollars to him, you know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then shit, let him do a show, but we gonna make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they gonna make them super, super famous. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that was real famous, that's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich, but nah, cause the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person, but they spoon feeding them, you know what I mean? So. You just gotta have your paperwork in order. You gotta have your management in order. You gotta have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to, um, you gotta have, if you ask Captain uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your music is a business. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music? And then when it comes to the business or contracts or uh, finances, you don't know anything about it. But you talking about, you you clearly just doing music for no reason. And in your head, you're not thinking that I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay, what comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you got to think. That's the only way that you going to really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You just going to the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So, if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. All the clothes you buy, you as an artist, should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in the strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones, but give me a receipt. You feel me? Get that to your account. That should be a write-off because you're an artist. You're a brand. But a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money. And not knowing this, though, when you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you, like, be a successful music artist, bro. Like, without, you don't have to be real major. We're talking about a successful music artist, you know what I mean? Like, because like I say, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where the real money come from. The music is cool, but I mean, 
the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm going to tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know, like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to I have a partnership. And you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All that shit is not what people think, like, as far as, like, from the blogs to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money, though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you're going to get far. But a lot of people who, who, who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes... ...of, you know, prevention. Not like, how do you actually get into, like, a Bruce Lee-style fight, but more like prevention, and then how do you get out of it? Like, somebody attacks you, right? Because I'm never going to take a man down. But right. I can get out of something for sure. Right. Like, I can prevent it, and I can, you know, get out of a grip. Um, so those types of um, things that I we're hoping will be helpful for... Um, women or older people or I mean men too but um, you know people make people a little bit more confident to be out and about um, mm. we're also going to start um, on a situational awareness course um, to go along with these things too because surveillance learning surveillance is one thing right we we have something called red team so we teach surveillance and we teach surveillance detection mm-hmm. but that's like a level up from what most people need. So right. situational awareness for, you know, your college daughter or, um, yeah. you know, your wife or whatever. And then, you know, operational defense, op def. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can, if they do end up, you know, getting their wrist grabbed, they can right. get out of it for sure. Yeah. And get out of there. Is this, is this all on uh, everyday spy website? Mm-hmm, it is. What's it? Everyday spy.com. Everyday spy.com. Go check it out and yeah. check out their podcast. It is probably my favorite podcast on this face of the earth. Just because <laughs> listening to the different things, the different things you guys learn and, and, and the ways of thinking and the critical mm-hmm. thinking and how it applies to everyday life. It's just, it's fucking amazing. I mean, everyone could benefit from that in my opinion. Yeah, I think, and the more people we have that, you know, start really like just sort of start thinking deeper like mm-hmm. the deeper conversations we can have mm-hmm. and the more information we can exchange and the the closer to truth we can get mm-hmm. so cool well thanks again yeah thank you all right all right bye everybody And they feel like they don't have time for that. So yeah. how did how did that happen? Well, she was always there. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, right? Oh, so y'all been together yeah, for a minute. Yeah. 20 plus, we've been rocking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's always been there. Right. But you got to remember, too, I'm not physically going anywhere to do anything. I'm, I'm sitting here at the kitchen table on the computer. Right. And I'm giving myself two, three hours to knock some stuff out. And then I got the rest of the day to do whatever. I've always kept that sense of I don't want to just be 24 seven hustling. Mm. Right. I've always kept that mentality. I'm a I'm a hustle. But when I'm hustling, I'm giving it two thousand percent. 
But when I cut it off, now I'm I'm, I'm cool. I'm Jay White, first name love. I'm, I'm out here. You so, really work three, four hours a day? Might be like five. What does a Maybe normal most. day look like for you in terms of business, in terms of work? Uh, reviewing invoices, reviewing proposals. But now I'm on the I'm on the teaching side, so now I'm just following up with some of my students. They might have some issues or mm. some questions or whatever the case may be. Looking towards the next thing, I got real estate deals too. So, right. uh, I, like I said, I just like to knock out everything within three to four hours. Five tops. After that, man, I got to chill. Mm, that is a lifestyle right there. But bro. why work hard if throughout the day you're going to work all day? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we make good money and we do certain things in the beginning. So on the back half, now we can kind of autopilot and coast it. I'm still, mm. I ain't nobody still trying to work eight hours a day, nine hours yeah. a day. I might well get a job for real. In the beginning, it probably you probably spent more time, right? Because I was learning. Yeah, you didn't I know. I don't got it down yeah. pat. Like, like you said, I don't know. I think I should be looking at this this long. I yeah. think I should wake up early and not go to sleep. Like I'm right, thinking, right. this is how I need to operate, right? But once I got to a certain point, I'm like, man, I'm going to bed, man. Like, I'm right. good. <laughs> Yo, for me, it took marriage for that because. Uh, when it just left to my own devices, I'm going to work all day, every mm. day, because, one, it's what I'm so accustomed to doing. Okay. Like, you spend years just grinding and working. Like, when you're not working, something's wrong. That's how I feel. But it took me getting married to say, okay, I need to try to wrap up by 5 o'clock, get home by 6. Mm. And what I realized is, when I had less time to be productive, I was more productive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of like, because some people, they're going to quit their job and they're like, yo, I'm going to grind all day. Yeah. But if you got, if you can build something in those windows of time. And, and concentrated. Concentrate. And then you super, super heavy because everything you're doing in that time is intentional. You're not wasting a second because mm-hmm. you got a hard stop or a cutoff time, right? So, your three hours, your four hours, or your five to six o'clock, you're going to go hard because you know you got a stopping point. Yeah. Every, every second count. Are you still actively, like, getting contracts, going for contracts? Yeah, man. We won uh, two this month. So, so so far already, I won six this year. Really? Yeah. But they were sole source. I didn't have to bid. They called me. They said, hey, mm. can you purchase this product for us? I'm when did like, they hey. start? When did they start? When did they start calling you? Mm, probably like 2017. That was real pivotal. Gotcha. Around 2017, yeah. Oh, so then you didn't really have to apply for no contract. Right. Just- I don't got to bid no more. Now if I bid, it's just to, you know, stay current. So when I'm teaching people, I, I got the, real-time estimation. The, yeah. I like the fact that you're still actively in the game. Because yeah. most people, they'll, they're not in the game anymore. Right. They're just teaching. But from the fact they, that... They're talking from yesteryear. Exactly. And that information ain't always up to date or valid. Because everything changes. Yeah, right? and it can't help me out today. So I, I speak a lot to the people that, you know, they got all these side hustles. They got all this stuff on the table, but they just like, you know what? I'm going to give this federal government contract a try. 
Mm-hmm. And once they tap in, they like, all right, I'm gonna just do this now. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So it's a good feeling. Man. So the, the, you said six contracts this year. Yeah. Uh, or in two this month. Yeah. Tell me about the month. two. Because you said they were talking about ordering a product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted to order 150 iPads. It was something real light. That's all I understand. Why do they just call Apple? <laughs> they lazy. That's what I be trying to tell people. The federal government lazy. They can do all this stuff themselves. However, they're mandated. That's this. I call them lazy, but they're mandated to give small businesses, minorities, women-owned, service-disabled veterans, they're mandated to give us a certain percentage of contracts are you, a year. Are you minority certified? A minority. A woman-owned, right? Is your wife 51%? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what was you about to say, bro? What was you, you was about to say something. Documentation got a read will, right? Documentation has the read will. So, 51% woman-owned, small business, minority, veteran-owned. I was in the Coast Guard for uh, 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Do you have, did you do that certification yourself? Because, bro, I've... It's terrible, ain't it? Terrible. It's terrible. Yes, I did it myself. But I'm good on the phone. I'm telling you. Like, I'm, I need somebody I'm a, to just do it for me, bro. I'm amazing on the phone. So I had a lady on the phone the whole time I was filling the thing out. The whole time. Because I was like, oh, I can't I can't do this. I'm frustrated. I'm, I can't figure it out. I'm like going in on her. She like, calm down. I'm going to help you. I said, are you going to help me for the duration? Like, right, I right, need right. you. <laughs> and she helped me. She helped me out. Do you, do you give resources, like, in, like for your students on how to get that certification? Yeah, you. I have to, man, because, all right, here's the first thing. I teach my students certifications don't win you contracts. Mm. I mean, that's just a fact. They don't win you contracts. However, comma, they do help you get into a smaller room to bid against less competition. Case mm. Five dollars a day? That's Not like three. There. Come on. It's like three something. Yeah, come yeah. On. So, you know, just, yeah, I, I, I always give the invitation because I feel like um, um, the community, and it's h- literally hundreds of people. Yeah. Hundreds of people on the call every single day. So make sure you uh, go to themorningmeetup.com. We also got a Patreon if you want to show love to your favorite podcast. Uh, just yeah. go to patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps, Javon. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Forward slash David Never Sleeps. Make sure you go check that out. Um, and you can get like unreleased stuff. And hold on, Jeremy. I'm almost done. Okay. I, I'm doing commercials. You got to pay the bills. Oh, dang. I don't got my my phone number. I don't know it. You know what? You know my number? Hold on. Y'all can text me. I do pick up this phone, too. I, I actually text. So I got it. 404-737-4935. Make sure you text me. Yeah, make sure you text me. All right, cool. And uh, we're right back. Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. No doubt. Thank you. Yo, real quick, and I know you got to go. We're going to close this out. But can I get like a five-minute conversation for my Patreon members. Okay. So Patreon is like people, it's like unreleased stuff. So everybody gets this, but you got like five, 10 minutes. Okay. Real quick. Okay. We'll make it quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's close it out. All right. So Jeremy, let everybody know how to find you, man. Again, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Not only just the podcast, but your 
uh, mentorship to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. your um, your tutelage, um, just 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 being who you are. There's nothing that you have that. So normally, if, 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 if the bargaining against the uh, loaning your money against a certain rate or a market, and right now markets are like zero, so you should get really good loans. I mean, you know, but they're not gonna give away the farm, you know. I mean, I don't know what your assets are. It all matters. But um, you should definitely uh, try to bargain with every bank. You know, don't be afraid to bargain. And don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Because then you can play them against each other. <clears throat> but it didn't seem unreasonable what they were asking. I don't know what your assets are, but, you know. All right, good luck. You have a call. You have a call. I don't believe it. Somebody's calling. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are hey, you today? It's Ben. How's it going? Good. good, good. What can we do for you? Uh, so I'm uh I'm actually from Toronto, uh, and I worked in a uh an investment shop in real estate here for the last four or five years. I got together uh with a partner that's gonna provide uh, a significant amount of capital as well as debt for us to start buying US multifamily assets. And so the first place we started looking uh, was in St. Pete, uh, St. Petersburg. And I wasn't sure. We're, we're looking at either uh, larger assets, like 100 to 200 doors at a time, or we're going to buy like a large number of kind of 10, 10 to 20 unit assets. Uh, and I was curious, He's you know, breaking up family deals, what you would suggest. Listen, don't come over here to St. Pete trying to buy my goddamn deals up. You stay in Toronto and buy some shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, Toronto, Canada people got watching this. That's the only like ours. Alright, so you want to come over to St. Pete and buy up some of this good old American real estate, huh? You know why? Yeah. You know why everybody wants to come here? Tell them why you uh, can't buy it in Toronto. Uh, all the upside is priced in and we have red controls. It's called socialism, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Top marginal tax rate is 58%. Well, you know, I feel for you. But anyway, I mean, you know, a lot of guys, people from Canada down here buying real estate, I mean, and, and owning real estate. I mean, you know, you got to get with the big brokers and see if the numbers make sense for you guys. You need to get the return you're looking for. I think there's a lot of good deals getting ready to come to the table, you know, but, you know, you need to get with the guys that are moving that product and work with them. Um, you know, all the big, you, used to, you know who the brokers are? Uh, yeah, I'm starting to familiarize myself. I have some connections at, uh, Seabury and Abenson Young. Well, that's so it. You just, basically, you got to go around and hit them all. You got to hit them all yeah. and say, hey, listen, this is what we're looking for. What do you got? They even advertise them on their websites or whatever or get on their their, their list that they, they send out every time. But, you know, you already know. You got CBRE. You got Franklin Street. You got Bricadia. You got this guy named, I think he went off on his own. I think he just picked something up in St. Pete, Jamie May. Jamie May. 
okay. he's got stuff. Something I think just came up in St. Pete. Hit them all. You got to go to all of them and say, hey, show me what you got. And you put them on a table. You guys are smart guys. You underwrite them, see if they make sense. But it's dangerous right now because you know even here in this capitalistic, wonderful place, you cannot evict nobody right now. You know that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how long that's going to go on for, but, you know, right now you got to be careful with multifamily because I'm starting to feel a pinch in my multifamily. You know, this whole situation we're going through is definitely affecting every aspect of real estate right now. Every aspect I could think of is being affected by it, except maybe maybe grocery stores. So, um, you know, be careful right now also. You don't want to overpay because you might be looking at a, a major reduction in value soon. Yeah, no, of course. All right. Uh, well, good luck to yeah, you. No. And uh, listen, if you stay in Tampa, stay in one of my hotels in Tampa near the airport. No, I will, I will tell you quickly uh, that, you know, uh, my parents had a place on, on Treasure Island in the past, so I was at uh, John's Pass constantly, so I love that place. Well, good. Come back. Spend some money. <laughs> Go Thank on a pirate you. ship. Go parasailing. Go jet skiing. Go on a dolphin tour. Eat in a restaurant, play in the arcade, eat ice cream, have a hot dog. What else? I made the goddamn Robert. guy. All right, take care. I made the goddamn guy. He keeps crying to me. He ain't making no money in the yogurt place. I personally bring him. I tell Matt and I tell little Ben, listen, I know we got two hot dog machines left over from uh, Hogan's Beach that we had. Put him, give the guy a hot dog machine. So I, I tell them both, they both bring him one. I had to go take one back. We're here to take up the hot dog machine. But I said, you know, put the hot dog machine there, sell them out the goddamn window of John's Pass, and make some money. And I twist his arm to do it. I had to bring him a hot dog. And he's not even my tenant. He's my neighbor. I brought him a hot dog machine for him to sell hot dogs out of his yoga joint. Anyway. And they did sell some. They sold it. some. You were with me. But now they got to spend a little money and make it a pass-through window. The window's right on the sidewalk. You put up a freaking sign, hot dogs, you get three bucks a pop. They cost like 20 cents. And the bun's another 10. He's into the whole thing for 30, 40 cents with mustard and relish. He can sell for 10 times that. Aaron, you're going over there selling hot dogs this weekend I'm at ready. John's Pass. I'm going to buy you a hot dog cart. That's what I'm going to do. Aaron's Hot Dogs. Aaron's Hot Dogs. Aaron's <laughs> Jewish Hot Dogs. All right. Dogs. What else we, we got? some Super Chats. Super Shout Chats. Shout out to iFix Boats. Who? iFix Boats. iFix Boats. Oh, hopefully my boat don't need no fixing. We fixed it. Oh, shit, I still got a boat for sale. Yeah. Now I had to move it over to that guy. Oh, that was a disaster. Trying to move the guy. Jail, nigga, fuck you, nigga. Think y'all gonna scare me and tell me about what y'all gonna do to me. You'll rape my mama. That's been fuck you, Muslim, nigga. You nigga been pedophile for the longest. You nigga been pedophile as long as your religion been in existence, nigga. You nigga been fucking babies and boys and goats and, 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 and queers as long as Islam been in religion, bitch. 
I, I used to be one of you niggas. And I, and I refused to stop eating pork. So I said, fuck you niggas. Because, listen, I sold barbecue four years ago. And the Muslim niggas used to come through playing like they can taste pork. So one day, I cut the motherfucking chopped beef with pulled pork and served it to Muslim niggas, unbeknownst to them. They didn't know they was eating pork. They were chewing that motherfucking pork. Them motherfucking Muslims can't tell when they taste the motherfucking pork. So I sold them niggas pork for all summer long. Yeah, nigga, now sue me. Yeah, I sold pork till I cut the chopped beef with pulled pork all summer long and not one goddamn Muslim could tell the difference. Because all them bitches is sneaking and eating pork. Or if they ain't eating pork, they suck pussy so they taste buds is thrown off to the pork. Yeah, them there, I, I, I felt good sneaking and selling them niggas $10 chopped beef sandwiches with that pool pork cut up in it, nigga. Straight disrespecting you, nigga. Yeah, get mad about that, nigga. I did that five years ago. Bitch ass, nigga. Yeah, go try to skirt me on the internet. All you niggas trying to skirt me on the internet. Catch a plane, nigga, and show up in person and make everybody in the city say, say, them niggas out of New York City looking for you, nigga. Say, it's the niggas out of California asking about you. Do that, nigga, bad motherfucker. Make Farrakhan have a million man march down here. He ain't done nothing in a while, no way, for he getting too old anyway. Yeah, he getting too old. And Facebook don't want to hit a motherfucker. Y'all don't know what to do. You can't listen to him. Yeah, we sick of that old nigga anyway. We want to hear from NBA young boy. Don't nobody want to hear shit from Farrakhan. We want to hear from Fujiano. We don't want to hear shit from no goddamn Muslim, nigga. You nigga can't rap. <laughs> yeah, you nigga stick to providing security at the funerals and, and shaking down rappers. But don't nobody want to hear shit no nigga talking about thumping no Quran. Nigga, we want to hear from Lil Baby. We don't want to hear from you bitch ass Muslim nigga. So shut up, Farrakhan. Don't go inside and talk. Don't come out here and talk. It's a new day, Farrakhan. And don't nobody want to hear no shit about no spaceship go come rescue all us niggas. If a spaceship come right now, I ain't getting on no motherfucking spaceship with no Muslim niggas. I don't trust no Muslim. Maria didn't trust you niggas. I don't trust no nigga that don't eat bacon. And all our life, we was trained and brought up to eat bacon. Any nigga don't eat bacon and suck pussy is an oxymoron to me. Period point blank. I nigga gonna give up bacon instead of putting his motherfucking head between the whole leg and suck up pussy. Nigga, fuck you, nigga. And all you niggas do it. All you Muslim niggas do it. Go quit the pole and suck the pussy. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ignorant. Fuck you. And fuck your religion, nigga. Yeah, nigga, it's funny to me. It's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't believe none of you niggas is bad enough to come do nothing to me and let the world see that y'all pussies to the white boy. Y'all didn't do nothing for Tamir Rice. Y'all didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. You bitch-ass niggas, Muslim niggas, didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. 
Y'all didn't do nothing for Eric Garner. Y'all let the white boy choke the big old nigga out. The big old nigga got his hands up. He's supposed to have been throwing elbows. Get off these niggas. Bigger than he was, he let the little bitty white boy jump on his back. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are down here. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are. We ain't just laying now. George Floyd is in Indianapolis. He just laid there and let the nigga put his knee on his neck. Nigga fishes flop out of water. You ever seen a fish when you get him in the boat? He flopping like a motherfucker. He want to get back in the water. Fuck that nigga didn't want to live. Dope fiend ass nigga. That's a dope fiend, ain't it? The nigga died with fentanyl in the system. And the best thing could have happened to him is for him to die. The nigga left his daughter 20 million. That nigga could have lived to be 100 years old. He wouldn't have been able to leave his daughter 20 million. He couldn't have never been able to leave his pretty little daughter 20 million. They done that baby a favor. He wasn't shit. The nigga was in and out of jail. The nigga kicked in a dope, boom. That nigga kicked in a motherfucking dope. And put a gun to a black woman's belly while she was pregnant, robbing them. How you know that ain't his fate? He wasn't trying to redeem that. He went to making porn with white bitches. The nigga was a porn star with white bitches. So, let me tell you something, Stack Five. Basketball playing ass nigga. Big old tall nigga. Fuck your brother, nigga. And fuck you too, nigga. Say, listen, if he was your brother or he was your nigga, what in the fuck that nigga was doing downtown in Indianapolis with a fake $20 bill? You must have loved that nigga that much. Nigga, I got some people I can go get $20 for, nigga. And I ain't got to go try to pass no $20 bill with no dope fiend nigga and no dope fiend bitch. That How many other situations do we misread? And that's what the book's about. And I think the answer is lots. And, and you do talk about quite a few real underdogs in the book as well. And one of the examples you were mentioning at uh, lunch today was, uh, was about this girls' basketball team. Yeah. Tell us about that and how yeah. that was shaped. Well, this is one of the things I got, reasons I got started writing the book is that I ran into a guy, some of you may know, the guy who founded TIBCO, this Vivek Ranadif. I met him at a conference and didn't realize who he was. Weirdly, by the way, I had another experience with the, in this exact same thing where I met someone at a conference, did not realize where they were, who they were, and just had a conversation about sports as a result. The first person I did this with was Larry Page, <laughs> who I thought, I met him years ago, and I thought he was just a graduate student. And I had no idea. And so I was like, where did you go to school? Oh, you know, I'm from Michigan. So we just talked about Michigan State basketball for about 45 minutes. And then afterwards, people were like, 
do you know who you were talking to? And I had no clue. Anyway, I did the same thing with this guy, Vivek. So he started telling me about how he coached his daughter's, 12-year-old daughter's basketball team. And because he's Indian, he had no clue about basketball. So he goes to, I mean, <laughs> I, I can relate to that. <laughs> OK, good, just checking. He had, there was no natural reason to assume he would know a lot about basketball. Uh, Underdog. That's right, exactly. Uh, although only India, a country of a billion people, could claim to be an underdog. Um, so Vivek goes and studies in his kind of software engineer kind of way, goes to study basketball games, and becomes convinced that Americans are completely irrational in the way they play basketball because he doesn't understand why, if you are the weaker party in a game, you don't do the full court press all the time because you're going to lose otherwise, right? And by not playing the full court press, you are allowing your opponent to do the, precisely the thing that your opponent excels at, which is to, to pass and dribble and execute choreographed plays. Why would you speed their... Uh, their um, uh, their, uh, why would you? Why would you allow them to give? Why would you? Why would you give them the easiest possible route to doing the thing that makes them better than you? So he says, your only hope is to slow them down and to defeat them at the things they're not expert at, i.e., play the full court press. If it fails, so what? You're going to lose anyway. But at least you you've raised your chances of losing from. Uh, 95% to something to something less than 95%. Right? So he teaches this, takes this group of, and he this is relevant to him because his daughter's team is utterly without any talent whatsoever. These are <laughs> these are the very, very, very skinny, somewhat nerdy daughters of programmers from Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, so he does this, and he, his strategy is we're not going to learn. You're not going to learn how to shoot, dribble, or pass. Um, we're not even going to practice any kind of offensive plays. What you're going to do is we're, I'm going to get you in really, really good shape, and I'm going to teach you to do this for the entire game. And what happens is that if you do this for the entire game in a basketball game made up of 12-year-old girls, the other team will not advance the ball past midcourt. And so Vivek's team starts to win by scores like 8 nothing, and, um, and they advance to the national championships. Um, it's so, it's such a hilarious story. And of course, the opponents are so um, flummoxed by this, first of all, and then outraged because the thing that Vivek is playing with his girls is not actually basketball, right? <laughs> if you don't dribble, pass, or shoot, um, and have no intention of so doing, and if the score at the end of the game is something like 6 nothing, that's not basketball. That's another sport. Um, and so they throw chairs on the court. They challenge him to fistfights in the parking lot. They scream at the refs. And he is sort of 
massively indifferent. To him, this is more of the strange idiosyncrasies of the American sporting personality. <laughs> and, uh, but I love what I, it, that's a, that is a lovely illustration of my very point because why does Vivek, why is he compelled to follow this strategy? Because he's got nothing, right? He's got bubkas. He, his girls are incapable of playing the game of basketball, right? So what does that do? It spurs him to find a completely alternate strategy that's far more successful. And this is, of course, the great story of innovation, right? That nothing, um, uh, uh, nothing acts as a greater spur to innovation than um, the absence of advantage. Um, so if that's the case, you know, there must be situations where it is not advantageous to have advantages, right? If his girls, the only situation where he's better off is if his girls are really talented. So there's a series of conditions. You can be, you can have no talent, you can have massive talent, and you can be anywhere in the middle. The only situation where he could also have reached a national championship is in the 99th percentile condition where his team is massively talented. But, but had he been in anything other, so he's in the 1% condition. That's advantageous because that forces you to play the full court press. The 99th percentile condition is advantageous. But the 2 through 98 is not advantageous. Do I think I'm smart? Define smart. Like, like the strategic thinker, just like just the the, the smartest person in the room. No, for I'm not reason, the smartest I feel like in the room. I, I don't feel like I'm, um, I honestly don't feel like I'm that smart in terms of mm-hmm. like, um, in, I don't know, I don't, I can't say not intelligent, but there's some things that my mind just doesn't process. So right now, I still don't 100% understand how you monetize Twitter, even though you told me. And my mind's trying to follow it. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, okay, you send people to the banner, but do they pay? And you systematize. That's why I feel like you just, you look, you see things in pictures. So well, in terms can of- Can you clearly define see things in pictures? All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it. And we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So it's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay. So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So for instance, um, I had a friend. Um, he was never afraid to talk to women. Uh, that was always my thing. I was just, I always take the friend. I just know going to a situation, 
I'm going to take the friend. It's all good. But in his head, he knows how this thing's going to work out. Right. It's almost like a visionary. Visionary. From walking up, what he's going to say, what she's going to say, how it's going to go, his rebuttal, where they're going to go later. But that's based on experience. That's all that is. You can predict the future where you know what you know. Mm. And that's what happened with your boy. He done been through it so many times, he can already predict the next move. The thing is, I think, so for instance, in these interviews, I never know how they're going to go. We've done hundreds, over hundreds of joints. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like, even like if if I'm building a business, it's always like a real organic thing. Like we didn't run no ads to the morning meetup. We have like hundreds and hundreds of people in it. But literally day to day, I'm just focusing on delivering today. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to get into it now. I look at the numbers and analytics, stuff like that, but I just don't I don't know if I put the whole play together in my head. I just keep walking. Like, remember I asked you, I, okay, I got this product and this product, and I don't know what to do. You're like, well, okay, structure it this way, put it in the photo, this is you're going to run traffic today. And like, and even after the call, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And then I hang up. I was like, hold on, what do you say? <laughs> I was looking at my notes like, uh, that's why I'm saying, like, smart. But you told me something when we was at the restaurant. Um where you were like, yo, you don't even have to be smart. You mm-hmm. said something like that earlier mm-hmm. today. Explain that. Do you remember? Yeah. No, I feel like people focus on the wrong thing to be wealthy. And the reality is if you focus on certain key elements, key points, you can accomplish that. One is relationships. If you can master relationships you'll get opportunities that the normal person would never get because they don't have the relationship. Mm. The second thing is making sure you have the drive to do it, being persistent and consistent. Those three, being consistent, and persistent with the right networking skills to build relationships, the people skills, with those three as a combination for wealth. Dang, that's crazy. It's easy. And then by you knowing this information, you can utilize it in a way where you have the ups on anybody you meet because or that's trying to do the same thing you're trying to do because you understand that that's what you need because the information is going to come based on a relationship. If right now I wanted to start let's say an e-com brand and I knew nothing about e-commerce I can call one of my relationships and now I know everything because he's just going to tell me. And then you'll consistently work at it and be persistent once things don't go well. You 
God. And it just hit me because the same example that I was using like with this podcast, I, those are the only three things I have. I'm consistently dropping every single week. I'm persistent. I'm, I'm going to get the interviews. And I'm, I'm just focused on good relationships. Done. Dang, that's genius. You are smart. <laughs> <laughs> just, seriously. So now if you think about it, like we build our relationship, right? You decided you have morning meetup. You want to create more products to add more value to your audience. What we did, we got on a call, gave you my time, and you, like, we mapped out something crucial. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know that before the call. See if you in shape. See if you can run three miles. Let's go, what do, but we go show the world all we know how to do is when we can't think, we fight. Nah, homie, that's why you niggas broke. That go for Bosco. That's, oh, that's why them niggas broke at their mama house, homie. On to Bosco, right? Um, we did an interview and we spoke about um, how gangs. Yeah, he doesn't agree with you. He doesn't agree with your your input on. Well, he said gang. Gangs. He 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 made it like gangs was positive. He's saying that people outside of gangs do crime too. Oh. Uh, we ain't saying about what gangs do crime. Gangs wake up to kill black people. People who commit crimes don't wake up to kill black people. Gangs don't commit crimes. Gangs kill black people. Them niggas don't wake up and go rob and snatch persons. They don't, gangs don't wake up and break in the car. They wake up to go put in work and kill black people. That's all they do. Nothing else. They don't exist to do nothing else. So what in the fuck he talking about? That nigga got to be the dumbest motherfucker in the world. Yeah, he got to be the dumbest motherfucker. That's why he can't get out of his mama house. And parody accounts, Cat Williams, Will Ferrell, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Kevin Hart, I was literally creating parody accounts. I took that same formula and creating an agency with it where I can do that same exact thing, not only for celebrities and parody accounts, but for celebrities, parody accounts for myself and then the average everyday normal person and helping them build their social media channel. So so I, I, I want to talk about two things. One... The Grumpy Cat and the parody accounts, because I, I don't quite understand those, but the mm -hmm. Grumpy Cat, mm -hmm. how did you make a viral creature? I don't understand. Yeah, a viral, a viral pet. A so basically, so that, so that the, the cat is called Grumpy Cat, mm -hmm. right? The real name is Tatar. That's the real name, Tar. It's a female cat. I seen the cat, and I was like, yo, this gonna go. And I created the first meme. What do you mean? You saw the cat like at somebody's house? Or? I, no, I literally seen it on the internet. Seen the cat. I was like, yo, 
this is going to hit. At the time, and, and you know what? I live my whole life in 80-20 rule. I do 80% of what works, and I test that 20%. And then usually that 20% is usually what bring you 80% of the results. So I did the same thing. So I was focusing on Cat Williams, Will Ferrell, and Angelina Jolie, Jim Carrey. I had all these different accounts that was like blowing up on social media. So the Grumpy Cat was just like a test project. I wasn't even like serious. Seen the cat, created the memes, started the, started the Twitter page, and freaking it just blew up like crazy. So you seen a cat on the internet, and you say, I'm going to make this cat go viral. Mm-hmm. How did you make that happen? Just basically doing all of my strategies. It was like back then you had the retweet strategy. So it was like a bunch of meme pages, right? That was all building from scratch. And we all create like, now we do telegram groups. Back then it was like little DM chat, like chats that we had. And we used to just like, yo, we're going to do five retweets and then we're going to do a shout out. Five retweets, then a shout. So you get a little sample of what the posts are. And then you do the shout out at the end. I was up like 20 hours a day doing that all freaking day. Why? What's the point? Now, let me get to it. So, you know a guy named Matty J? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Matty J (laughs) called me up and he was like, yo, Spec, you can make money off of tweeting. So that's what started make that that's what made me start putting focus on it. Cause I was like, yo, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is how I make money. Mm. And I started building the accounts up because the more money I was, the more money I could make, it was based upon how many followers I can gain. Okay. So I started growing as many followers as possible. That's what made me start creating massive parody accounts. And I started scaling horizontally. And I started taking all of these accounts and I started buying real estate, digital real estate. I started buying accounts on top of me growing accounts. And I used those accounts to now grow these accounts. So now Grumpy Cat, as I'm creating these, these memes and everything like that, and just making it real funny with the little mean mug face. And it just, and I put it on autopilot. I literally wasn't even worried about the cat. It was just going, like I had it, everything scheduled out. I had the page going. I, I had like just normal retweets going out. Mm-hmm. And I went back to it. And it went from 30,000 followers. I came back 30 days later. It had like 300,000 followers. Dang. Like in 30 days. And I wasn't even paying it no attention. So at that point, I started paying it attention. I was like, oh, this about to go. So that's when what I... What Maddie, when he was saying you can make money off tweeting, I still don't know how to make money off tweeting. Okay, so it was a, it was a website called mylights.com. And off this website, mylights.com, you do traffic acquisition, which basically means that I'm going to send traffic to the website and sell ads against it. Mm. So 
people are bidding in real time for banner placements on the website. And once we send the traffic, which is from little links, we might say, yo, six six ways to know your man is cheating on you. Click the link below. Boom. They click the link. They go to go rush to learn how they know if they man cheating on you. <laughs> and we got ads on that. We make money. At that point, I was making like three to five thousand dollars a day. Passive. Really? Passive. It was a passive income. Because once I figured out the formula, I put it on autopilot. I start automating everything. And that's how Grumpy Cat took off because it was automated. All the rest of my accounts is automated. So I 